SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? Good. I'm looking for a stamp so I can mail my dad a Father's Day card. How are I, you doing? I had to buy a book of stamps yesterday because I had zero <laughs> and had to right? pay a toll from Maryland when I was driving through that they finally sent me. I was like, oh, yeah. And How I many don't know. stamps do you need for an envelope these days? Just like a card? One. one. If it's got okay. no weight to it, just right. the one. And Did the your more- parents ever put like, mul- like my dad always put like multiple stamps on things because yeah. he was afraid they wouldn't get mailed? No. Was that a thing? No. I mean, it's a, weight ba- it's a weight-based thing. And I think weight times distance for however many stamps you need. I don't know. He Maybe would just I- like panic and he would put like four stamps on an, on a letter just Way to make sure stamps. that it got there. <laughs> yeah, so now my habit is to put like two or three stamps on a letter, even though it probably doesn't need it. So yeah. thanks dad. Happy father's day. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, that's anyway. <laughs> that's how I'm doing over here. Wait a minute. It's Father's Day on Sunday. I yes. Should, I should figure something out for that. Everybody right. go make sure you hug your dad, you know? No, I'm or send him a card. I'm flying back home a week from Friday because I'm actually going to Ireland with my dad for a week and a half or so. Oh my God. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. what that's his father's day present. That's he's there paying for me to go to Ireland. So there you go. That's his present to himself, I guess. <laughs> well, we are back and we there's no short shortage of news. I feel like even though you and I are always like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast every week? Somehow the universe giveth us what we need to talk about. And I'm going to let you lead into this one because you've been kind of leading the charge, if you yeah. will. Um, been, from, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you've been on yeah. this. So why don't you lead us off with what happened this past week in the AAC? Yeah. Uh, and if you pay any attention at all, which if you're listening <laughs> to us, I'm sure you do. You know that Probably. it's officially, officially official is the way I think I'm wording it. That UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are leaving the AAC for the Big 12 on July 1st, 2023. Now, that was reported about a month ago that that was the date, and it had been for basically the entire time that they were leaving. Assume that that would be the date. But now the schools and the conference made it official together. They nice. put out statements and all that kind of thing. That They officially came to a formal agreement to leave early. Uh, for those of you who don't know to leave the conference, you need to give the conference $10 million as an exit fee and then 27 months notice. Yeah, 27. Uh, they want to leave before that. So you have to negotiate a larger settlement to leave. Uh, that total is going to be $18 million from each school going towards the conference. Uh, that money gets redistributed among the remaining teams. My expectation is it's going to the teams that are still in the conference now, not the incoming CUSA teams. They're probably not going to see any of it, frankly. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, that's typically how it works. Is uh, whatever like buyout Texas and Oklahoma pay uh, to the Big Twelve if they end up due paying whatever it is. I don't know the Big Twelve contract as well as the AAC one. It, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati probably won't expect that of it, or shouldn't at least. Uh, yeah, so eighteen million—that's one million more than UConn paid to leave early. Which call it inflation? Who cares? Uh, that's <laughs> not that big deal. Uh, of that eighteen million, ten million will be paid in the first two years. The uh, remaining eight million over the next twelve—odd distribution, but whatever. Um, this does open up the door for COSA schools to come in that same date, which is what the American Conference wants to happen because you don't want to play a year at eight football teams in your conference it's weird it's awkward it's not very respectable uh fau charlotte and utsa have already made official announcements that that's when they'll be transitioning into the conference uab rice and north texas have made announcements that's still being negotiated because they don't actually have it in writing yet but that's when it's going to happen for all for all six schools it's exciting exciting times out here in yeah in the in the conference what do they, it's not the i almost said the conference of champions because i'm so used to that's pack 12 that's Pac-12. yeah <laughs> Who do we got? The, the american athletic what is the american athletic conference motto do they have one i just Power feel six. like i don't know 
It's the power of sex. No, but there's not like, you know how like yeah. the Pac-12 is the Conference of Champions and then what's... I'm, what's I mean, one. what's the ACC's motto? Forgettable divisions? Uh, <laughs> we should look into this and see. No, I mean... I don't know. Maybe they don't have... Maybe the, all of them don't have them. The but. big marketing campaign for the Americans always been power of sex. Power of sex. You know, okay. I don't know if that's an official motto, but it's definitely their marketing campaign. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah. So that's the news. That's stuff we already knew, but now it's official. So it's news again. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, like this is, this is it, right? This is the year. This is it. This is is for the first off the three teams leaving are the three Mm -hmm. teams favored by every single (laughs) sports book or just like place that puts out rankings and the stuff to win the conference. One of those three's the thought. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later because Athlon released some AAC predictions. That's a tease. Stay for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I think it's going to be very competitive between those three to try to win one on the way out because that's, you know, that's a pretty big deal. I know as a UCF guy, it's a big deal to win the last state American championship right. for while before. Um, it's going to be the last time UCF plays USF for a little while because of the way scheduling works. They're both booked yeah. up for a few years out of conference. They're not going to be able to play. I think 27 is the first year where they might be able to get something on the books. Uh, so yeah. that kind of sucks. It's crazy. Uh, I'm really excited for the fact that it looks like Texas and Oklahoma aren't going to be out of the Big 12 until 25 at this point, which means Dylan Gabriel could very well be playing in, in an Oklahoma uniform at UCF. Uh, <laughs> Dana Holgerson's going to have to go back to uh west virginia at some point yeah these are big 12 games that we're talking about now but like yeah but those will be interesting games uh you know see how everyone stacks up for the american it'll be interesting to see the transition i think some of these teams they're a little they're gambles they're high potential teams that are coming in but they're not necessarily teams that are in a good you know they're in varying spots right now yeah. I think, you know, UAB to me is the team that's going to have the most success. Birmingham's a great college city. A lot of, it's a good fan base. As long as the state Senate doesn't shut down the program again, because they're scared they're going to pull a recruit from Alabama once every five years. <laughs> We're good. Um, you know, I think Charlotte has a lot of potential. FAU, UTSA, they have a lot of potential. I don't really, like I've said this before, I don't understand adding rice other than you were desperate to, keep the Houston media market, but rice really just because they're in Houston doesn't mean anyone cares. You know? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a tough go for them lately. Yeah. Uh, North Texas also I, present. <laughs> yeah. That one I feel like was a major media market move as well. Or trying that, to be. That was trying to control the state of Texas to me. You know, you have SMU was trying to be like, get all the other players and, and UTEP be damned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What do you feel about the AAC being a 14-team league for that one year um, next, I no, guess, the gonna, following year? Yeah, no, they'll, they'll, yeah 23, they'll be a 14-team league officially. Yeah. Right, yeah. My math is correct. On, our math is correct on that. Um, yes. I think it's interesting. I don't think they should play with divisions. I think that's my big take is that yeah. it's going to be towards scheduling. Uh, what we saw with the SEC as an easy example and – I'm going to, the ACC is one, two, when you're at 14 teams, you don't play everyone in your conference. And then what's the point of being in a conference together? If you don't even play, you're just sharing revenue at that point, And that's silly. Uh, yeah. You no, know, there was plenty of guys who in the SEC who never played the game at other campuses and the ACC Wake Forest, North Carolina had to schedule an out of conference game against each other just to make sure they played once in a while. That's not normal. And that's not how you should look at it. I say go towards that kind of like you have one or two protected rivals that you play every year and you get a rotational schedule of everyone else. And then the top two records play for the conference championship, which is now allowed by the, uh, there's a recent rule change that allows that basically. So yeah. So like say USF would every single year play FAU and I don't know, throw in East Carolina. Those are their two protected rivals play them every year. Then you get like four or five other games. However, no, yeah, five or six other games actually of the conference teams that just sort of rotate. That's why I want. 
Sounds like a, a good wish list. <laughs> for we'll, you. See, we'll see what happens. Also to look out for uh, ESPN has the right to renegotiate the AAC's media deal now, if they want to, because there's a large enough shakeup to the conference membership that it could hypothetically change the value of the conference. Mm. So we'll see if they choose to do that or not. Right now, I haven't heard anything about them choosing to do so. I'm sure we will in time for the next uh, podcast. <laughs> Let's hope so, right? Let's keep, hope. Some, keep, keep us, us talking. Going. Yes. Awesome. Uh, another little bit of new Cincinnati sold out their season tickets for the year. So shout yes. out to them. Interestingly enough, UCF's AD, Terry Mahajer, tweeted out that UCF sent 95% sold later the day that's in the day that Cincinnati announced that <laughs> sure. They're not correlated whatsoever. Uh, UCF has sold out the past couple of seasons, if I'm not mistaken for their season. Yeah. They but, generally seem like they do. So, so I expect them to just Cincinnati sold out quicker, which shouldn't be surprising given everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, frankly, I feel like Houston should be selling out their season tickets this year too, because they're going to be exciting this year. And, you know, I think a lot of people are picking them to win the conference. So I'd be disappointed if Houston doesn't sell out. Honestly, every time I've gone to a Houston game, there are not that many people there. I know it does tend to have, they have really great donors, but I feel like disappointing but crowds. They're not well attended. Yeah. I don't know. And it's like, I don't you know, know, it's not a bad just... campus. It's not a bad stadium. Well, like it's, it's, I, there's a, Sometimes uh, a little bit of an issue with AAC campuses. And this is a mm -hmm. thing that UCF dealt with for years and kind of got over in 2016, 2017, 2018, that time frame, is that a lot of times people go to AAC schools as kind of a backup to what they really want. So if you go to Houston, now, and I should say that's not true for everyone. Some people do want to go to school. Sometimes there's a program that's very specific. Tulane, Navy, these are obviously exceptions to what I'm saying. Uh, but a lot of times you might go to Houston, but you grew up rooting for Texas or you grew up rooting for Texas A&M. So if the team's not really good, you're kind of like, all right, whatever about it. It's my Saturday night. I'm going to go to a party and, you know, do something else. Cause you don't just shut off being a fan of the team you grew up for, you know, that's yeah. just, it's hard to shut that off entirely. So you'll see like a lot of UCF students are also like Florida state students say, because they just, well, they're from Tallahassee. They grew up rooting for Florida State or whatever. They just didn't end up going there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably a trouble, uh, a problem Houston deals with when they're going seven and five, especially. Yeah. Yes, that's a theory. That's not really a uh, based in fact thing. Well, based in fact, yes, but it's a theory. Is I guess. Yeah. Stop talking now. No, you're good. I I think it's great. They sold over two twenty. 3,500 tickets, setting a new school record and marking it the first time in school history they've sold out. No doubt this is large part due to the fact uh, for, of their success last year and their visibility, you know, in the college football playoff. Everybody's very excited for Cincinnati. That is the vibe across the conference. Whenever I talk to a coach, everyone, almost everybody brings up, you know, the fact that they're looking forward to either hosting or playing at Cincinnati and, and everybody talks about them being the bar. Now, I don't know how much more nice things I could say about Cincinnati in one, you know, sentence, but I will say this to balance it out. It is very hard to get where they did. And I think it's incredible, but it's very easy to fall from where they are. And I yeah. think this year is going to be really tough for them because they're coming off a big high. There's a lot of expectation of and there's a lot of turnover. Yeah. And, and you just can't, unless you're Alabama repeating seasons like that is nearly impossible, especially mm -hmm. for, a, you know, a, a smaller school like that. So everybody needs to chill is what I think. Like, I think Cincinnati fans are right. They're to not be confident. Right uh, well, no, they're not, but listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm a UCF fan and UCF fans were not chill. And like, you're never, chill. you're never, you guys are never chill either because you the still, 2018, you know, 2019 was very right. much less chill. I think the fan base has calmed down right. significantly with a couple nine, 10 win seasons rather than 12, 13 win seasons, you know? Um, anyway, you guys would still make a national champions banner at the drop of a hat. Like if you did okay. anything worthy so, of it, there would be a banner. I made. feel very strongly that if mm -hmm. you go unbeaten and you win your bowl game and you aren't given access to the college football playoff because it is an invitational tournament, why not? There's a history. College football has got a grand and beautiful history. 
Okay. My question to you on that. Okay. If let's say that season that that team had gotten to the playoff, just like Cincinnati did this year, because they ran the gamut and did everything right. And they got to go Mm. and lost, lost in just phenomenal fashion. Right. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Cincinnati did. So if UCF let's go back, gets that chance to get in there and be one of those four teams do you think and be honest that they would have been a good example for, you know, for group of five teams wanting, making an argument to be in, would I they have held their think own? They would have done better than Cincinnati did. To be okay. honest with you. They would have played Alabama the same as Cincinnati did. Mm-hmm. And I think, you think it would have been a closer game. They, it would have been more of a shootout. I think you I impossible to say how it would have done. Auburn. We'll beat, never know, but Auburn beat know. Alabama that year. UCF beat Auburn. That's what the, you know, typical fan argument is. It's the transitive property argument, which isn't a really good argument because then you can turn, you know, Bowling Green beat Minnesota who beat X and such last year. And all of a sudden you're at Bowling Green's better than Ohio state, you know? Yeah. And that's not, we know it doesn't quite work like that, but no, I think UCF's offense that year was explosive and would have scored on Alabama's defense. I really do. And I don't know that they would have won or not, but they would have held their own. And even if they didn't hold their own, they deserve to get in because two lost teams don't deserve to get in. I guess that's what I'm getting at. No, that's just me. Two <laughs> lost teams just that don't win their division, things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really hard to say now. Uh, one more thing about it the is. sellouts. I do think Nippert has a smaller capacity than the bounce house. So maybe that's what's happening here. I just think everyone's excited. And I, I think it's too. great. I'm just joking. It, I'm just saying that people need to just, I would hate for Cincinnati to come out and start the year and get a loss early. And then everybody is just, you know, writing them. Like everyone needs they to They might just get punched out. in the mouth though. Like for those who don't know, they play at Arkansas week one. And with the amount of turnover since they has, it's a game where they could get punched in the mouth. And it's crazy because at yeah, first so. blush, like, like we talked about in the last episode at first blush, that game sounds like, Oh, Arkansas, like they haven't been there. Like they should beat them, whatever. But That's- Arkansas is they were good, good last year yeah i don't know and how much arkansas football does the general listen people do the people listen to this uh podcast watch probably, because probably not. I watched, that's I watched not a lot or seven arkansas games last year i but i also that's watch weird, just, that's a weird amount of arkansas games for you i watch an, i watch an egregious amount of everyone though like but, I don't but think arkansas that, is like one know. of those teams where you see that they're on and you're like uh like okay maybe but okay. if you see any other team you like you turn the channel that's just okay. what it is. But I watch two or three games at the same time and I record games too, so I can watch them throughout well, the week. That's not really watching because then what are you doing? How do you watch? Do you have like five, six pairs of eyes? Kind of, yeah. And, si- and six brains I'll, to process often, all that. <laughs> I I do okay. I keep up with it. Okay. <laughs> Dan is smart. We get it. Okay. Well, well, anyways. I can watch a bunch of games at once. Shout out Cincinnati. We're very proud of you for selling out. Um, We'll see. We'll see. It'll be exciting. I I honestly want to get out to Nipper before they leave. So that means I got to get there this year. So I'm going to try and do it, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and then the other thing that I want to talk to you about for sure was that you were able to interview ECU quarterback Mm -hmm. Colton Ayler. Uh, Now you're writing an article about it. That's going to come out in the next week or so from the time we're recording. Am I, am I being too generous? Uh, No, I mean, we'll see. I have an E I have an ECU, you know, Mike Houston piece coming out hopefully tomorrow. One part of my coaches series. Yeah. And I want to do this feature justice. Holden Ehlers is a very, very nice kid and he took some some great time to talk to me so i definitely want to do i haven't written a feature in a while so it's i want to get i got some quotes from him i got some i talked to you know coach houston about who holton Naylor's is and what he means to this team so it's going to be it's going to be a lot it'll, it'll be holton talking about how he's feeling you know what he worked on for this season and you know what the team worked on but then it's also going to be a mix of you know what Food? Could you go head to head with Joey Chestnut in, and and what kind of music? That's do you important to, to note that no one could go to head to head with Joey Chestnut for any food, whatever food. You um, think the Joey Chestnut is not infallible. He has lost contests this year. Okay, okay. but he, he's lost to professional eaters, not 
random people who don't anybody can be a professional eater if they try hard enough okay, okay but- hold nailers let me just tell you this this may ruin my article but i'm gonna say it on this podcast i asked him who on his team could like hang in you know by eating that much food and he really like at first he was like oh i think it's me like i think i could do it and as we talked talked it through i kept you know i was like oh so maybe a lineman or maybe usually people say linebackers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he literally kept being like, no, it would be me. So but he's a big guy. He's like, he's not a small guy. I'm sure. I just, I've never had a quarterback tell me usually when I ask guys, these questions, they, they name, you know, uh, oh, lineman or yeah. like linebackers. Like yeah, I said, left, but... my left guard to the one who can do it or right. whatever. No, he was like, I eat more just as much, if not more than the linemen. And he gave yeah. reasons as to why. So you'll have to wait for the story to see that. But yeah. um, absolutely, I thought that was interesting. You know, ambitious guy. And I sidetrack you for a second. Have yeah. you ever won a food eating contest? Okay. That's unfair because I, I have know. in a food eating contest at all or against Joey. No, just general, generally speaking. Joey does not yeah. have to be in the equation. Well, I have eaten against Joey, so that's why okay. it's funny. But... Well, yeah, well, I have. Well, yeah, go ahead. In general, have you I, won one? Like, no, I'm over, I'm over two in the food contest I've eaten in. I won a pie eating contest once where I was eating cherry okay. pie, and that's how I found out I was allergic to cherries. Oh my God. But you won? <laughs> I mean, yeah, my ears like closed, but you know, other than that, wow. we were good. That's crazy. What, how old were you? I was a little kid. It was like against my friends and like a, a backyard kind of thing. I'm like, how? I really want to know from, and maybe the listeners can clue me in, how many people have participated in either like amateur competitions or ones they've done with their friends? Like, like more people like, than I thought have done this. I feel like when you grow up, there's like a lot of county fair opportunities where it's just anyone who wants and can be in or like it's a fun, like, like I mean there's different things like at a fall like party or a, you know, Christmas party or something like that. Your family might have a couple of drinks and be like, all right, let's see who can eat the cake the fastest. I don't know. These things yeah, happen to normal people. I've never literally never in my life been in a situation until, you know, we did it on purpose, but like growing until up, you started hanging never... out with a professional leader. Right. Exactly. I really didn't even know it was a thing until I met Joey at a bar and he tried to tell me who he was and everyone else tried to tell me who he was. And I was like, that's not real. <laughs> and I did not believe him until he showed me, he finally pulled out his Twitter and he followed me on Twitter and he showed me like his profile and stuff. And I was just like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's a rabbit hole of craziness going into this competitive eating thing. And right. while we're on this tangent, I'll just say this, the hot dog eating contest, which is coming up in a few weeks here is one of the coolest things I've ever yeah. covered in sports. Just it's hands down. It's incredible. I don't know if I'm going to record or not. I'm Like I mentioned earlier, I'll be in Ireland. I'm going to be in Ireland for the 4th, which it kind of sucks because I do like the 4th of July. It's one of my favorite holidays because you just, you know, cook out and hang out. It's, just yeah. nice, it's a great party day. Great party day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, um, so I'm a little upset I'm missing that. But, yeah. Fourth of July, Nathan's hot dog eating. That's it's an awesome tradition. It really is. Yeah, I'm very excited. We're gonna go this year. You know what we're doing? We're gonna be in Canton, Ohio, for the USFL Championship game, which is July 3rd. Okay, mm-hmm. and right after the game, we get in the car and we drive from Canton, Ohio, to Coney Island oh, to cover the hot dog. Oh. oh yeah, we have the only way to do it because the game's gonna be late, so we gotcha. have to drive straight through the night because we're not going to miss joey you know i'm gonna i don't know if you've ever driven east west through pennsylvania mm. it's the no. longest drive of your life it, that it's state like never seven ends. hours it's like it driving feels like it never ends. it feels like that state never ends um we'll see. anyways yeah <sighs> okay uh but yes we were talking about holton ailers yes at one very point. excited okay where do you i'm think- excited to watch him this year and that's what i, I think too. I, I think I you know he's going to have such an incredible 
incredible growth, I think. And we're going to see, I mean, he's going to be one of the oldest guys there and Mm -hmm. he's on pace to break a bunch of records. That's what coach Houston was like the most excited about is, is that he's going to set all these school records and lead this team. And he even said like that ECU in their spring looked better because uh, they have guys that have played. They have leadership on the field. They look like a real football team. And I think Colt Naylor's is the key to all that. So, Yeah, I'm excited to watch him play. You know, I've, I don't have anything against him personally, obviously. I don't have anything against any of these guys. Neither do you. It's not – any critique isn't a personal one. Right. I, I have problems with his consistency because if he played to his ability all the time, ECU would have been – a bowl team two, three years ago, instead of just last year, they would have last year potentially been more like a nine or 10 win team, you know, but he doesn't consistently play to his ability. He loses his footwork. He makes silly, like he makes awkward decisions. And that's the stuff he needs to get rid of for me to be a top end quarterback in the conference. And I do think he's got that ability, but he needs to be more consistent, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Where do you think he ranks among the AAC quarterbacks? This is what I, I know. I already knew we were going to talk about this, but I did not write down the quarterbacks from every team. No, I didn't didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. I went in Um, way too confident that I'd have it off the top of my head. That's what I was thinking too. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. I got to think about it. There's a couple like quarterback battles, like USF just brought in uh, Bohannon from Baylor as a transfer to make that a competition there. Uh, Right. No, I'm going to take Navy out of it completely because it's just analyzing something so completely different than everyone else, you know? Yeah. Apples to oranges for sure. I think Clayton Toon ranks probably, up there, right? He's probably I mean, he's going to be probably be the top quarterback. Right. Again, but, you know, I've back. also seen, I've seen him when he struggles, it's, it's a big struggle. So it is, but I, I thought he took I, a big step forward last year and mm-hmm. I can't see why he wouldn't take another one this year. Because remember last year, he spent a lot of time with a tight, messed up hamstring, which took away his dual threat ability, which is actually a pretty good part of his game. But during that time, he really had to learn how to throw from the pocket, which in a way was good for him. So now I think he knows that he can do it from the pocket, but has that healthy hamstring again to be as dynamic as possible. I think that's something that's worth, I think that makes him very potentially the top quarterback in the conference, if not the top. It's tough with the conference because I feel like you have guys like Clayton Toon and Holt Nailers, and I guess you could put Tanner Mordecai in that category. Mordecai, tough to judge, though. I mean, there's a but rumor. he puts up a lot of numbers. Okay, and he, but you got to talk to your boy Rhett Lashley because there's a mm-hmm. rumor that he's getting pushed by uh, Preston Stone. Well, I've heard. No, I've heard that Preston Stone is definitely in the running, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to go with somebody. Who's I think you're experience. Yeah, I think especially when it's your first foray back into this and but then well, you've got the you next have to hold on to stone because he wasn't your recruit and he's a, like the highest quarterback recruit smu's ever had basically wouldn't it be wild if they just did like a two quarterback system but just threw the ball that like Ugh. the whole time i hate two quarterback <laughs> systems so much i do too but it Jesus. killed me last that would be wild though. ucf wouldn't stop bringing in joey gatewood and yeah it's just like he doesn't throw the ball he doesn't throw it ever everyone knows it's quarterback power mm-hmm. and he never went anywhere that i hate two quarterback systems they never work just pick a guy and go with I'm it more, i'm more interested in the second tier guys I, I and i say that for lack of better word i don't mean it in in the quality group, i just yeah. mean the, the next group because you you remember michael pratt i mean he's got all the potential in the he world does and that's what's so crazy is like he could be the best quarterback, but he's his own worst enemy all the time because he keeps getting saddled. With, he's going into his third offense coordinator in three seasons. I know. And Which that's is, crazy. Stunts your development. It just stunts your development. Yeah. It's that's not, not great. I'm very interested with Cincinnati because I expect Ben Bryant to be the starter. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Ben Bryant was a Cincinnati quarterback transferred to Eastern Michigan where he was the starter there. They transferred back to Cincinnati once Desmond Ritter was gone, basically mm-hmm. so he could get some playing time. And right. what does he look like at Cincinnati now? Hard to say, but I yeah, think we very know. interested. Uh, we will have to see. So you know. that's why I think is for me, it was like, okay, you have that um, tune and you have um, Ehlers and you have Mordecai up there. But then this next group where I put I Michael also, Pratt, I put Davis Brin, I put oh, Seth Hennigan in there. I kind of think Brin's going to be a little step ahead of uh, 
like Michael Pratt. I was, and those guys. I, I was just, I was grouping them. Like he could be at yeah, the no. top of that, but I think he's still in that second group. I don't, I, I wouldn't might, put I him in I'm, that top group yet. I don't. And then I also have so many questions about what's happened with at quarterback with UCF, you know, how much is yeah, developed? Is he yeah. going to be able to even have the job? Because I think John Rice probably wins the job in the end. Uh, John Rice. Plumlee. You'd have to believe, right? And but I, you have to believe that John Rice Plumley is just a perfect fit for what Gus Malzahn traditionally likes to do on offense too, right. with a running quarterback who can, you know, spread the ball out, be a read option guy, throw throw screen passes. Doesn't necessarily have to be a Tanner Mordecai type who throws forty times a game, you know. Yeah. So I think Plumley fits the system well and wins the job, but who's to say for sure because remember once Lane Kiffin got to Ole Miss he wasn't playing quarterback he had a couple years where he was a wide receiver there so like he has to relearn the position a little bit and who knows open yeah. competitions all around hard to say I definitely think Ehlers is top four or five in the conference though I think he's top three I'm be- I and guess I I'm being a little more conservative with it but and because we don't know a few like that could end up being surprises, yeah. but if, if everything shook out the way we think it is going to right now, then I would put him up there. Now, if there's guys that get starts over other guys, then you have to make adjustments and we could circle back to this, you know, when it gets mm-hmm. closer to season, but I am very high on the fact that, and, and this is because I've been digging through ECU all day to be fair and looking at their progression and their trajectory and what they've done, you know, they move in the right direction. And that's what Mike Houston is hired to do is he's like a program rebirther. That's yeah. what he no, does. Like he just I think, yeah. gives new life. So. Make no mistake. I think Mike Houston's doing a great job there. He's incredible. Um, yeah, absolutely. And if you ever watch Friday night lights, um, he looks so much like the guy, not even looks like him when I'm talking to him. It's like, t- he sounds exactly like him, but that he, actor he does also look like the guy from Friday night. Uh, like, I think so a little I mean, different bit. hair, but like, I think they're like a little bit. the same. Am I crazy? I just, his voice is. I told their SID that and he's like, I've never heard anyone say that. And I was like, what? He sounds exactly like him, coach Taylor. So I was, that, that conversation was fun. Cause I felt nope. like I was getting, as I say this, you know, who definitely looks exactly like Coach Taylor is Seth Luttrell. Mm. Oh, yeah, 100%. That okay. gets Seth a lot. That's a better one. Than, he looks like think. him. And if, if you put Seth Luttrell face with Mike Houston's voice, you would have Coach Taylor. So. Gotcha, gotcha. One of the quarterbacks we did not mention, and something that I'm very interested in, because just probably no one else will be, is what's going to happen at Temple. Okay, yeah. Temple- Are we going to see Dewan Mathis? I don't think so. Did he hit the transfer portal? Or oh, did he leave? I, I wasn't thought he hit the see. transfer. It, the transfer portal is almost impossible to keep up with nowadays. I, know, so I like, can't ever do it. We are not too far away from doing team previews for the season. And I'm pretty, to, yeah. And I'm going to have to do huge deep dives into every roster because it's hard to figure out where players are. Well, it de- we I, do have the transfer Quincy Patterson. So that was the big... That was the get from North Dakota State, Virginia Tech. So I remember him going in, but I could have sworn. Uh, maybe he didn't transfer. Maybe he put his name in and took it out or something like that. And that's why I'm, yeah, no, he's still on the roster right now. I think yeah. Back. yeah. He's on the so, roster. I think, I think I saw him put his name in. He must have taken he, it out. I think he did. Noticing. I think he did. I think he did look around. He maybe looked around and it didn't, it didn't work. Oh, well, no, but now here's one where it says that he left, but see, I don't know. Nope. Now it's saying that he'll return. So I, your guys' guess is good as ours because these guys change their mind all the time, but I know right yeah. now he's on the roster. Like it looks like yeah, this is where he's going to be. The 22 rosters list him still. So he must've yeah. came. I know he was in the portal briefly. He must've come out right. of it. This one, but that's my we question. Pictures, we have to like we, we'll hammer it out. Don't worry. But uh, <laughs> that's the question: Is are we going to see? Even though his yeah. year was tough, it wasn't his fault. So there do was, we get? Yeah. Do that, we see him again, or does he lose out to to a guy like Quincy Patterson who transfers in, or somebody mm-hmm. else on the roster? That's I'm very invested in this Temple rebuild. So I, I will know be you watching are. that. Yeah. You think we're going to get a little? I know you've said it before. You think that Temple's going to have a nice little bounce this year from the block? They're going to hit the bottom, and I just feel like you, it couldn't get worse. So it's like they're going to see how how truly how it feels to have a real program, right? And then, and I don't say that as disrespect to anybody 
that was involved that wasn't a bad person other than the leadership, right? Rod Perry like, was not a good head coach. He did right. a very bad job. He yes. screwed a bad culture. That's yes. And that's what it is. Everybody else that I know that worked there was incredible and was trying to do the him. best yeah. they could. But right. steps with Rod Carey, he did a terrible job. And Temple yes. fans about two years ago who told me I was wrong for saying he was doing a Temple job. Can you think about themselves for a little bit? I hit, the but corner, the crazy thing is, I I knew Rod Carey from prior stops, and I had never heard that about him. So I was I, very surprised that he went in there and like became this kind of villain a little bit. I had very little knowledge of him from his time at Northern Illinois, like because I just don't follow Mac football that closely. You know, mm-hmm. what I did know is that he inherited a really good team at Northern Illinois that went to the Orange Bowl. And I know that when Temple hired him, they hired him in a panic because it was the Manny Diaz like fiasco where he was their coach for like two and a half weeks or something like that and left. And they, they hired a coach like knee jerk really quickly. We gave him way too big a buyout and way too much of everything. And when it wasn't working right away, I said, well, there's an issue here. And you could see it from afar. But yeah, I don't know it, it just worked out so poorly you have to think in my mind that's gonna tough. take a cup and then the roster turnover has been so bad there they're still incredibly young i don't think they're at yeah. 85 scholarship guys uh they certainly it's weren't not playing gonna 85 be guys easy. last year it's gonna be i know i know it's gonna to, be rough it's probably a few years away from a bowl in my mind and that's not but i just i feel like it's like when build. It's like when a dog gets adopted, right? And it goes from this really terrible situation that it was in. And then all of a sudden it has, you know, all these things that it just things that it needed to just be a good dog, right? And like be, be a normal dog. And then all, you know, and then you see it flourish immediately. Sometimes you see those changes like happen right away because it just needed those few basic tools to succeed. So Part of me feels like we might see that now, maybe not, maybe I'm crazy, but after talking with coach Drayton, he's a real like feed up smart guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, if if I'm you and I don't have anything to do and there's a temple game on, I might pay attention to what's going on over there. It's going to be a good Thursday night football game to put on at some point. There you go. Uh, Mentioned it earlier. Athlon released their AAC predictions. We were going to touch on those, see how we think they did real quick. I think. Right. Am I crazy? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, we'll we'll go into it. I mean, we just talked about the quarterbacks from each team. So maybe in conjunction with that, they, they did their list, right? Mm-hmm. And they gave, I guess, re- if you've read it, you saw they gave reasons as to why. I am not a huge fan of lists this early on because it's so tough, you know? There's, yeah. It's, so it, this it's is also hard happens, to argue so with it. There's nothing else that's happening right now. So right. everyone's going to come up with their random list. Well, we can work down I, it. We can yeah. work down it and okay. see if you think. Uh, so, yeah, starting with their team rankings, you're saying uh, their number one team in the conference for next year was Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. To me, that was just... <laughs> it's okay. like you have to do it, though. Because exactly. If to you're me, going off of all these numbers from last... Like, the whole paragraph is like... Well, if you go by returning production, though, you don't have to put Cincinnati there. Because they're not returning any production. I mean, I guess that's true. Um, no, I mean, I think they put Cincinnati there because of what they did last year, which sure, that's part yeah. of it. But I don't think there was anything predictive about putting Cincinnati there. There's no gamble to it. No one's going to like, right. no one will bash you for putting Cincinnati number one. Uh, you know, if your argument is Cincinnati has been recruiting really well and you believe Luke Fickle is going to replace all that talent successfully where there's no drop off then that's your argument and there's no disagreeing with it because he has recruited very well. He's proven he can do it before. So Luke fickle is the reason that most people are like, so bullish on replacing their offense coordinator though. (laughs) I don't know. I guess I don't think Cincinnati falls below number like three at the worst in the conference. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But do you think they stay in the top 10 nationally? No, I think they, I right? think they're looking. I, at, I think they're looking at ten and two next year, which is first off. Please remember, ten wins is the mark of a great season. I think they're ten and two in the regular season, very potentially playing for the conference championship again. Right. You know? And I haven't done a deep dive on their conference schedule and where I think the exact place that they would trip up is. I've already mentioned. I think Arkansas is not a game that you want. I think Arkansas is a really bad matchup for them. 
to start the year. Anyways, this is already too much time on Cincinnati. Sorry, Cincinnati fans. But I will say the last thing is that that Athlon said if Cincinnati pulls off an upset at at Arkansas in week one, which what – how how is that an upset? If, I don't know what what Vegas is putting everything at. Who knows? But we know in our hearts what that is. But yeah, if, if you're if you're I'm sorry, but if you were a top four team last year and you're playing somebody that it was like six know, and six or whatever, then yeah. it's not an upset. But they say if they pull off an upset in week one, another twelve and zero regular season is within reach. And I think that's just not fair to the conference. Yeah, no, that's bullshit. Here, I am literally a. I hate. I'm going to pull up their schedule and tell you who they could lose to. (laughs) Great. Well, I'll start, but while you're doing that with number two, Houston, because that's obviously, you know, going to be. I think Houston's uh, my pick to win the conference this year. Houston is is going to be a good team. But I think, I think they're probably the best team in the conference if we're getting into it. I agree with you. I think, I think uh, talent-wise. is an easy, at SMU and at UCF back-to-back weeks. All right. Other than that, they dodge Houston. So there is that. Yeah, that was my question is that did they have Houston? Because that was going to be the big no. the big game. I, I mean, bad. I'm very kind of high on Tulsa this year, I think, too. So at Tulsa to me is not a gimme. Uh, yeah. at, at SMU, at UCF, back to weeks, back to back weeks, those aren't giving me. That's just going to, that's going to like beat you up a little bit. UCF will be a bit of a bruiser and SMU is going to run up points. So that's going to be tough and on they're your both psyche. Road like games in back to back weeks. That's a lot. Yeah, that's not know. easy. That's not an easy draw right there that they got. Anyways, no. Houston. Yeah. I, I like, I like Houston for the reasons you said, I like their, their talent is very good. My one reservation about Houston is I don't know about Dana Holgerson. Everybody, everyone loves him. And I have no issue with him personally, obviously, yeah. you know, well, but we've seen him do weird things as a leader of this team in the past. So do I think that he could be the thing that holds him back? Yes, I do. Has Dana Holgerson ever gotten over the hump? Now I know at West Virginia, he had a couple of really great teams that couldn't, I don't think they ever won the conference there because I don't think they could ever get past Oklahoma. If my memory serves me correct. I, if I had to bet, I would, I would say no, but when he had Volgreer there, do you remember how good Mm -hmm. those teams were? Uh, Yeah. I don't think he's ever gotten over the hump. So I think that is a kind of yeah. question mark is what, whether or not he can do that. I'm trying to think if there's, I don't know that guy. he's, I don't think he's that guy in my opinion. And, but I mean, look, I think that's a uh, roster incredibly talented though. Yeah. And they don't have to play Cincinnati or UCF in the regular season. That's huge from a schedule standpoint. So, you know, I think they have a better oh, no. shot than Cincinnati. I think they're 100% playing for the conference championship. And I think it's a matter of who their opponent is. Right. Well, that brings us to number three on the list. UCF, also a contender for the yeah. crown. I think number year. three is a fair preseason place to put them, to yeah. be honest with you. Yep. Tons There's of question marks, marks. Yep. particularly at quarterback. A lot of mm-hmm. transfers coming in, once again, for Gus Malzahn to fill gaps. I think that UCF's defense is going to be really, really good. I think really, really good. And they're going to, they've got a good kind of thunder lightning running back situation. Mm hmm questions about who's throwing the ball a couple of questions about new young wide receivers coming in but ryan o'keefe is an excellent threat mm-hmm. i think i think it's a re- questions on special teams because there's been questions on special teams the past few years until you prove that those are fixed they're not fixed mm-hmm. um so yeah a couple of question marks for sure but the potential to be the best team in the conference also they also have a great slate in that they play Louisville, Georgia Tech non-conference, which are winnable games for them. I they get they Cincinnati at home and they don't play Houston at all. Yep. So, you know, they don't these, play Tulsa these... either, who is you know, Tulsa's won like nine <laughs> yes. out of last Kel- Tulsa's beaten UCF like nine out of the last 10 times they've played or something like that. It's insane. UCF just I doesn't said beat it Tulsa. on Twitter. I said it on Twitter and eight I'll say it again. Philip Montgomery, Coach Montgomery is an agent of chaos. Like he just is. That's <laughs> I love it so much. Number four on the list, SMU. Don't love this. Think that they should swap it with number five, East Carolina, because how do you give a head coach number four billing in his first year? A lot of turnover at the skill positions too. Yes. I don't. I'm running back wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, tight end, all that stuff's being turned over. The defense has not been figured out in 
years now under multiple the coaches. line is only returning three starters so you got to protect you yeah, ever yeah. gonna sling the ball I, but i i don't know the offense i think will score points ultimately no matter who mm-hmm. is on the field i believe in rhett lashley's offensive system i believe that smu's got the talent on that roster to figure it out even if it's figuring out with new talent i don't believe in the defense right now because until SMU has a defense that doesn't give up 35 points a game, mm, I don't mm. believe in it. It's the same yes. guys from 31.1 in AAC play. Not great. No. Not great. Actually but, bad. <laughs> but they host Cincinnati and Houston at home. They also get TCU at home. So I will say this. He's building an environment there at SMU that everyone's getting behind. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of, you know, videos on Twitter and I'm, I'm for it if it works out, but at the end of the day, there needs to be substance. And I think it's just too soon to give him number four in, in the league spot. Yeah, like that's crazy to me. It's based- How do you not give that to ECU after they've proven they could be like up in there? I think reputation to be honest with you because SMU had a couple years where they hit 10 wins and ECU hasn't done that yet. I think this Mike list Houston is, has and well, Mike Houston, I, I think, think this has a list better... is hugely reputation based because not to skip ahead, but they oh, have Memphis ahead. number six and Tulsa mm-hmm. number eight. And what has Tulane's tucked between them? Yeah. Those who, what I think that's fair for Tulane because last year I think was an anomaly of bad luck and circumstance. Yeah. But I would, I agree with you. I would put Tulsa ahead of them. I just think, I would. Yeah, I definitely would too, because I I believe in Tulsa, but I I guess my point is Memphis has done nothing to deserve to be still considered middle of the pack other than their reputation. They've fallen off. And I like Seth Hennigan, but that Mm -hmm. team all around has major questions. Yeah. And you know what? Tulsa doesn't have that same type of question, but they don't have the reputation in Memphis. So I think this list is largely based on reputation, and that's where you see SMU over ECU. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I agree That's with my you. Thought. So, you know, maybe you bump Tulsa up, you bump Memphis down, you leave Tulane, you know, where they are, because I do agree with you. Yeah. They're very talented, but it really, it hinges on Pratt being not then, his own worst enemy. And that's, it's, yeah. I don't he, know. He needs to control his turnovers. He needs to make the yeah. right play. He just looks so unsure of himself so often and it it drives me crazy but i think they did okay at the bottom of the list we got ucf usf at nine watch your mouth and then navy at 10 and then rounding it out with temple which of course you have to you have to do i Um, saw a person a usf fan on twitter today say mm -hmm. that usf was gonna have the best defense in the conference this year and i just want to once have that type of ability to be so delusional i think they're gonna have some good players who are very athletic and there's there is raw talent. Yes. Most of it's on the offensive side of the ball, but mm. I don't get how you can just assume your team's going to go from like the worst defense in the conference to the best overnight. Right. I know you've yeah. got a new defense coordinator and last year's defense coordinator. It was a problem and you presumably corrected that, but you don't know that you corrected that. Yeah. We don't know yet, but so, I would go out on a limb and put USF maybe not ahead of Tulsa, but maybe ahead of Tulane and Memphis, depending on how it all shakes out. Cause I do believe in Jeff Scott and I think they're going to have a very interesting year this season. I mean, they have a tough schedule, but if they can get a win against BYU and that nationally like gets registered with people. They're not going to beat BYU. Let's be honest. BYU has got to play at USF. We already talked about this in the last podcast. And you came around because if it's a 12 noon kickoff at Ray J. Yeah, it's going to be hot as hell. It's going to yes. be hot. He's um, not going to be ready for that. Don't get me wrong. I do know that. I yes. just, I need to, I think Jeff Scott has done really wonderful things for the USF football program off the field and building that program. Mm-hmm. He needs to stop. He needs to learn how to manage the clock at the end of games because he's cost USF multiple games with his mismanagement of the clock. And he needs to be a little bit of a better decision maker. Hopefully a new defense coordinator fixes some of the issues, but you know, his in-game coaching, he needs to prove that he's growing as an in-game coach. Cause right now that's, that's his own worst enemy is things like clock management. And I think USF fans would agree with me on that, that he struggles with that kind of thing. So he has to, and don't worry, it's only his third year as a head coach. So 
there is a learning curve, but still, you need to show improvement on it. That's all yeah, I'll say about well, that. Yeah, that's their list. It's, you know, I, I applaud them for doing it so early. It's obviously hard. They're very, it's very laden with stats from last season, which we know won't necessarily be the same for all the teams. So but that's all we have to go off. So yeah, it, it is what it, it is. It has to be super predictive. The one, they also did all these like potential award stuff. And most of those I thought were dumb, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> because it's like, who's the best coordinator hiring? They're like listing like three coaches. And it's like, that's not even a prediction. That's just like listing all the coordinators who were hired uh, at that <laughs> point. But I thought the one that was interesting to me was they said Nathaniel Dell for Offensive Player of the Year. And if that's the case, he'd be the first non-quarterback to ever be AAC Offensive Player of the Year. So I don't buy it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think yeah. the conference is just, they need your pick a quarterback on the winningest team, basically. Which, you know, so we'll see. Anyways, there's that. We also have. Yeah, a- well, in the spirit of ranking, since that's what everybody seems to do, even Dan, uh, let's look at this article. Now, this is something I pulled because I thought it was interesting. CBS, and this is from May. So, you know, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, but they ranked every football coach in the AAC from 1 to 11 heading into the 2022 season. Unsure what the criteria was. I think it's probably just some guy's opinion. Yeah, but because, but what criteria did he use? Like well, how many wins they're going to get? Like well, who they are as a person? That's the thing that's tricky about it. Because if you go, well, I just want to rank them by their winning percentage. That's not really a fair metric because different, you know, what Gus Malzahn inherited at UCF was different than what Mike Houston inherited at ECU. You know, for instance. Yeah. You know, and that I don't. In each situation is different. The support that Luke Fickle gets at Cincinnati is different than the support Stan Drayton gets at Temple. You know, and those are, so I don't know that's a fair criteria to just go wins losses. I think there has to be some uh, objectivity to it. Well, it starts off as per usual with Luke Fickle, um, which I get if you're going to be ranking, I wouldn't, you know, do it that way, but he has done incredible things for the program. No one's going to take that away from him. So if you're the first coach to guide a group of five school to the college football playoff, you're going to get top billing. That's just, I think legacy is a very mm-hmm. strong word that people are throwing around right now, but you know, we'll see. we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. Right. And then your boy Gus coming in at number two, Gus. I'm, not, I'm not mad at that, but again, it's one of those things like he's new. It's so reputation. I don't like, yeah. I mean, yeah. how much credit do you give his time at Auburn for uh, to for him now? And also how good was this time at Auburn? You know, Mixed bag, but he had to do in the SEC West, which insanely competitive. So his level of success was pretty good if you look at the competition he was going up against, you know. But at the same time, he wasn't as good as that competition. So who knows? Yeah. So I I get why you're doing that. Then you got Dana Holgerson at three, which again, that's too high. Again, based on our conversations, like, what are we, are we going it off like all these rankings from national places? I don't know if you've noticed this. All of them in whatever order have you have UCF since St. Houston. It's always the three teams leaving for the Big 12. I don't know if that's just the easiest thing to do right now because that's how everyone is like grouping them in your head. You're grouping those three things three teams together a lot, like in a couple of years when the conference has turned over its membership entirely, is everyone going to be ranking AAC teams with the six conference USC teams automatically at the bottom? You know, like, is that is yeah. it just going to be like this? We don't know where to put them. So let's rank them together and kind of group them off. Like, I think that's kind of what keeps happening. Um, You know, it's funny. They threw an absolute curveball and put, Ken Niamatololo from Navy at number four, which I love because he's the long. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. He's the longest tenured of the AAC coaches. So I think that's why. I think there's a legitimate argument that he could be the number one, to be honest with you. Actually, I agree with you. He, given the restrictions of the Naval Academy and Mm -hmm. all he has succeeded with over the years there, you know, he is an absolute genius of the triple option and running a program with extreme restrictions and that's worth giving someone credit for you yeah know? like again that's why you can't just go wins and losses though because you need to recognize that 
Kid Neo Matalolo needs to recruit people willing to be in the U.S. Navy and who can also get into the Naval Academy. Right, exactly. And then he needs to go win with those type. Like, and, and we talked about how they don't have access just, to the NIL stuff that everybody's yeah. using now to to lure people yeah. their way. I mean, he, it's, he's, he's, he's coaching 15, in a different world. Yeah, His 15th season leading the midshipmen. Uh, in their seven years in the league under him, they've gone seven and one on three different occasions. So there's good, but then the bad is bad. You know, you look at the four and eight season and this last year and that it's tough. I think the losses are hard to ignore sometimes for people, mm-hmm. but over the course of his career, absolutely. He's an amazing football coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that they they tried to put him up in there. But then out of nowhere, Willie Fritz from Tulane at number five. Well, if you look at again, if you look at the full body of his career, mm-hmm. then he's worth that spot because he's been everywhere he's gone, which is mostly lower level jobs. Don't get me wrong, he's turned programs into winning programs. Yeah, but if you're going to make that argument, then he, Mike Houston in the in the three years he's done. Well, I mean, I guess he's well, not long guess, enough, but he's done the same thing. Well, I guess that's where it goes back to what's your criteria. Right. That's my question. Because they were seven and five last year. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't really 100% understand Philip Montgomery at number six because <laughs> Tulsa's his only head coaching job. and Second longest had, tenured coach. He, he's been there a while now, but he's had yes. off and on success. You know, I guess kind of, he inherited a team that won a bunch and then they fell off. And I think they've improved over the past years. And I've mentioned a couple of times just on the show that I think they're going to be good next year, but I still don't hundred percent buy him being that high necessarily mm-hmm. ahead of a Mike Houston say. Ryan Silverfield coming in Way at seven. Uh, yeah, I, just, makes no sense. I, I don't he, understand like, about guys inheriting their team and falling off the cliff right. with, I mean, don't off a cliff might be harsh, but but going well, da- going backwards, yeah. yeah. Definitely going backwards from the team he inherited yes. from Mike Norvell and Memphis yes. fans aren't happy with him after what two seasons now? They are yeah. they are frustrated. Um so you know, and then and then you got Mike Houston again. I don't he's new, so I get and he's in his career has been as a whole at smaller schools, but the things he's done at places like James Madison have been incredible. So yeah, he's won the national championship. Yeah. How do you not you know, Rhett Lashley at nine? Okay, he's new. I don't understand Rhett Lashley ahead of Jeff Scott for the simple reason that one guy's never been a head coach before. Yeah, that's also yep. And you look at Jeff Scott's, you know, body of work and where he's been and what he's done. And I don't understand yeah. this rhyme or reason. And then you got Stan Drayton at the bottom, which I, poor Stan Drayton. I, I think, know. I feel for him. He's, he's a good guy. So we just I, don't, I don't know. I was going to say he's inheriting an incredibly difficult situation. I told you when he got hired, my biggest question is, can he make the jump to head coach without ever being a coordinator? Because he is one of the best running backs coaches right. in modern football history. But if you're going to talk about not being a head coach and say Drayton's identity as a head coach will be a mystery, what well, can't you say the same about Red Lashley? And that's what I'm saying is I feel like you should almost just yeah. not list them. You should both <laughs> kind of give them incomplete, be like, hey, they've never done this before. There's absolutely nothing right. based off of other than, right. I don't know, other than this is our guess. But also that almost feels unfair because Red Lashley is going into a significantly better situation than Stan Drayton too, you know? Yeah, like if, significantly better. <laughs> like if you only judge them based on their first year wins, well, Drayden's probably going to be like one in 11, two and 10 ish. Like, let's be honest. He might, he's probably going to beat like UMass. And I don't know that he finds another win on the schedule. You know, yeah. it's just, it's going to be that kind of year for Temple in my mind. I know you think they're going to have more like a four and eight year. Um, uh, we'll see. This well, list was, this again, list was upsetting. I, I'm I, upset. <laughs> I don't know. It's all right. We'll live. We yeah. Will live. I mean, it, it's fine, but it made, it made me think of, you know, looking at this ranking of coaches and how they're being put together. It made me think of, you know, my conversations with a couple of these guys on the list and something that I asked them all to try and get like a good comparison litmus test was where do you like to play when you're on the road in the conference? Mm-hmm. Where's the hardest place to play? Where's the place you like to go into, you know, group that together and, and where do you like to go on the road? And they all mentioned, you know, road environments that they like or are tough or whatever they whatever the reason they chose it, this is the school they said. So then I thought, all right, let's take a look at what these AAC head coaches 
road environment choices say about them, you know, and I just want to preface this. Dan has no idea what I'm about to say. So going in, this is blind for him. Uh, We'll see if it elicits any reaction. But but second of all, I want to say that this is purely hypothetical. It's purely for fun. It is my attempt at making you guys laugh with uh, a TikTok-esque version of this game. If you've been on TikTok, you know that they like to judge, you know, what your middle school said about you, what your what your drink of choice says about you. So here's what the AAC head coaches away environment choice says about them. Okay, here we go. Uh, Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo is first. He said that his choice would be Cincinnati and UCF. So just off the bat, tough, right? Like you, you got to admire that out of him. It's yeah, it's absolutely. So Coach Ken is a guy you don't want to play laser tag with. Okay, that's just just something you should never do. Uh, he's also the guy you know when you guys go for just like a like a mild Sunday hike. He's in full tactical gear. But he definitely spikes the canteen with rum, okay, to to make it through that. He's not going to laugh at your jokes, but you have to laugh at all of his, like non-negotiable. He's secretly a thrill seeker, but he will absolutely insist that everyone wears sunscreen. So that's 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 what... Yeah, wear your sunscreen. (laughs) That's what Coach Ken's (laughs) choice says about him. So next up, we're going to do SMU head coach Rhett Lashley, whose choice was UCF. And this is obviously based on prior experience, not within the AA. Well, I guess when he was, right. He was was SMU's offensive coordinator. And he also, remember, he was mentored by Gus Melzahn for like a decade of his life. So (laughs) he was. Uh, All right. So this is what that choice says about him. Coach Lashley definitely wears his Hawaiian shirt completely unbuttoned on vacation. As is his right. As a God-given. Bare chest. As an American, that's his right. Yeah. Unbutton, nothing on. That's what he is. He's the guy that you want to listen to when you're making parlay bets, right? He's the guy you want to listen to, but you do not want him to plan your bachelor party. Like, just don't do it. You don't want Why not? Why not? It's because you just, you don't. It's not. Which direction is it going to go? Either way. (laughs) Either way, but it's not going to be in the middle. It's not going to be in the middle. Okay, guess the middle is what you want. Right. You You want to be alive and have a good time, but like, you know. Normal. Uh, lastly, he in high school, he was definitely the cool freshman that partied with seniors. That's just the vibe for him, I get. You know? Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. So that's what his choice says about him. All right. Next up, Willie Fritz. This was a tough one because Tulane head coach Willie Fritz said all of them when asked which environments Ugh, are the best slash toughest. Thanks, mom. So, so here's what that choice says about him. Coach Fritz, for sure, walked to school uphill in the snow both ways. Just that happened oh. in his life. Oh, yeah. He, he's he, the guy that... Despite living in, like, Louisiana or wherever. I don't actually Correct. know where he's from. Correct. He, if he ever talks about it, that's how it happened. So yeah. he deposits money into his kid's account for their birthdays. But he signs the birthday card that mom got. He insists on a coat and tie for dinner, but he wears Tevas on the weekends for sure. Like probably multiple pairs in the closet. His financial portfolio is definitely diverse, but he likes, and he likes to talk about how volatile Bitcoin is in a negative way. (laughs) So so that's what, uh, that's what his choice says about him. No, what it is, but something about that reminded me that in February, I went to a wedding Mm-hmm. where the father of the groom was wearing his suit mm. and Crocs for, for shoes. I don't think, I don't think Willie Fritz would ever wear, I don't, no, I don't think no he would suit, have Crocs, Crocs combo. but no, but he definitely has Tevas and that's not an insult. That's like a compliment. I, my dad has Tevas, like he wears them sometimes. Yeah. So I've got, you know, the man Uggs for slippers that sometimes none of, these are, none of these are knocks. They're just, you know, my personal hilarious opinion so all right next up we have philip montgomery this this is the next three are tough so i had a hard time with this but coach montgomery uh tulsa head coach he chose navy memphis and houston so when given the choice to pick a place he chose those three environments okay navy memphis houston yeah so monty is the guy who finds the guy that disappeared on a boys trip okay okay yeah i know you're talking when Rhett Lashley goes missing from the bachelor party, he tracks him down at the craft. He finds him. He finds him. Yes. 
he gives good whiskey, but he d- definitely drinks red wine. Okay. That's, yeah, that's just, I, that's, I know that. Yeah. No, that's how he is. He would probably agree with me that mobile Alabama has the best barbecue. That's how I feel about that's just not Coach correct, but that's okay. I think it is. He, and then he definitely eats edamame with the shell still on. Oh, who would do that? I mean, I, people do it. And I think do you it's do it? do not you do us. It? Do I need to make fun no, of No, I'm not as badass as Philip Montgomery. No, Coach no but the whole point of edamame is you pop them out. You're like, no, but I, I do know people that do it. And I'm pretty sure there's some um, nutrients in that skin. So California, you're not even once. There. You're good. All right. Next up is USF head, head coach, Jeff Scott. He chose ECU, which, you know, I absolutely respect as his choice. And I think it's great that he did something different than everybody else. Now, mind you, they didn't all know who, who each other chose. So, yeah, um, all right. So this is what his choice says about him. Coach Scott is a complex man. That's just, you don't really know one way or the other what you're what you're getting with him. And, and he likes it that way. You know, it's mm-hmm. good. He's extremely good at hide and seek, but he's really bad at sharing food with other people. Uh, he wears Ray-Bans and probably has like a significant Ray-Ban collection, but well, see, he's he secretly... I'm going to cut you off. Okay, but hate- let me finish. No, okay. because you got to finish. He wears Ray-Bans, has a very significant collection, but he secretly wants a pair of pit vipers, like someone to buy them for him because he's not going to pick them out himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? <laughs> I was going to say he lives in Tampa now. So those are definitely wraparound Oakley's, but that's just what I was going to say. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that guy. I think he's still going to be the, cause I envision him like the Clemson frat guy in, you know, in, in Ray-Bans, but he brings that vibe in a good way. Like he's bringing that anyways. Uh, and lastly, he absolutely prints receipts of things he buys on the internet to keep in his home office filing system. Which is probably just a big folder of all of them shoved into. No, no. I'm saying like, he's got like a filing system for every purchase he's made and he prints like receipts and he'll print, like if he has follow-up emails or for help systems, he's got like the numbers. If he has passwords and, you know, logins that that's all in there, like it's just organized. He prints the internet, but like, you know, he'll never, ever forget anything. You'll always have prints the internet. Yeah. He prints the internet. So he prints the internet. All right. Lastly, we've got, ECU head coach Mike Houston and his choice was UCF, which was a common one. Yeah. 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 Common people saying that that's a hard environment or it's a fun environment. Um, Okay. So here we go. This is what that choice says about him. Coach Houston finds the only sports bar on a tropical Island. He wears sneakers on the beach because he hates sand. He gives halftime speeches that are on par with Nathan's hot dogs contest, George Shea. And <laughs> he gives the entire team peanut butter pie when they win a game. Yeah. I saw. So. Which I is saw, actually a true fact. Yeah. I was going to say, him, I saw the whole nailers interview that you did. I've seen yeah. the transcript of it, but I mean, have you ever heard that? Like, no, I don't know what peanut incredible. butter pie is or what it tastes right. like, but it sounds so heavy and dense and yeah, honestly, it sounds but that's bad. he's sounds just really that guy. Bad. No, <laughs> I know that it was good. I know um, he said it was good, but it sounds really yeah. bad. Like, ugh, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. think I'd eat any peanut butter pie. So, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was my fun. Yeah. I'm probably gonna tweet these out as well. Um, I might absolutely them a little bit, yeah. but it, it was fun. You know, I just did did something different. So, absolutely, absolutely. There we go. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think I, that's it. I'm going to, I'm getting the light had and I'm going to see myself out. Yeah. Had enough. All right. Well, if you haven't had enough of us, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Dan underscore Morrison 96. I'm at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. All right. And we're off. We'll see you next time.